This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. Fantastic to have you with us on the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. I'm Helen taking you through some incredible guests. We had something of a teen special on the show recently, joined by Coach Lucy, who is on something of a mission to connect or reconnect teens with their parents and really build and strengthen that bond. And of course, help teens themselves with their own mental health. We were also joined by teens talking about their recent struggles. And in that age group, a young entrepreneur, Sharice Averd, has her own company at just 17 years old. It is called F5, and she was talking about the story behind that. Speaking of entrepreneurs, the new event taking place for anyone who's thinking about starting their own business, or maybe you've got a fledgling company that's hit something of a roadblock. A pair of guests live in the studio to explain more. We were talking nannies in the UAE. How can you co-parent with them? Is co-parent even something you should be aspiring to? Conscious Parenting Coach Mesa was live in the studio to answer my questions and yours on everything from jealousy to boundaries. And we were in conversation with a pioneer of homeopathy about all sorts of health conditions, from hair fall to low energy, right here in the UAE. Being a teenager is difficult at any time, but a new study from the US Centers of Disease Control and Prevention in the States, of course, found that most adolescents experienced negative events during the COVID-19 pandemic and the after effects of this continue in their mental health. Lucy Jones is on something of a mission to help parents connect with their teens and assist young people in finding social connections, confidence, purpose, relieving anxiety and tensions and the myriad of other pressures being thrown at them through one-on-one sessions and group workshops. She's good. We're going to be joined by Tinushka just after half past four today, but she's on hand to answer any questions that you might have. She's a certified coach from the Jack Canfield Training Academy and yes, a mum of a teen as well. Great to have you with us, Lucy. How are you? Hi, Helen. I'm great. Thank you for having me and giving us this amazing platform to talk about such an important subject. We've had a number of questions and concerns from you, which I'm sure you don't find very surprising at all. Mm. Um, But I wanted to ask you, why did you want to work with this age group in particular? Well, you know, I feel that the world is crazy enough nowadays. Uh, I know this has been said many times with COVID and everything else what is going on as well. Uh, You know, we've got surprisingly in these days we've got wars going on in the world and people coming over from those war war, war sorry war countries you know mm-hmm. so obviously they're bringing teenagers with them and uh there's recession going on people losing jobs it's just very hard for everyone and if mom and dad are stressed out it will reflect on teenagers and even independent from that, teenagers have got so much going on in their own lives. Exactly. That sense of academic pressures. I know, yes. Identity. Yes. Social. Yeah. Boys, girls, yes. you know, romance. Yes. We haven't even, t- even talked about social media yet. Yes. But, you know, there are so many more pressures, I think, on teens now than there were certainly when I was growing up. We yes. look at gaming, yes. reality TV, social yes. media, you know, all of this, all yes. these comparison pieces. And, and what are some of the issues I suppose when teens and parents come to you that you feel like are particularly prevalent here in the UAE in this age group? Okay so you know there can be lots of uh, lots of different issues uh, every teenager is different but lately we've had a couple of teens coming to us who've been dealing with the grief and they shut themselves off and then shut themselves from uh, social engagements so we I like to help them to find that connection again and, you know, find some way to deal with their anger because, you know, they might be dealing with um, loss of loved ones. So, of course, they will feel angry and disconnected from the world. They don't want to see anybody. They don't want to socialize. They don't want to hang out. Uh, Other things is teenagers being, especially boys, uh, you know, being extremely angry because the amount of testosterones and hormones going on in their bodies. Hormones are real. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, the impact it can have on risky behaviour, yeah. on, you know, relationships with yeah. parents or with peers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, these guys are getting, you know, young men, big yeah. men, big men. Yeah. You know, you can be you can be a teenager from very loving environment and family, but if it's been socially, um, scientifically approved that if 
if he will be exposed to some stress, let's say at school by bullying or, you know, some girl is dismiss him and he gets his heat feelings hurt, then this will throw his hormones around and suddenly he becomes this, this angry teenager. Mm. And then it's like one circle, you know, it starts all bowling up and that's what it happens. Like you come home and then you start disconnecting from your mom and dad. You're, there's something going on with your body, with your hormones. Even your immune system can start suffering. So I'm here to explain all this in the seminars. I want to talk to parents. I want to talk to teenagers. I want to teach them, you know, They might not understand why they're angry and why all this is happening, but mm -hmm. I am here to help them to understand. And they're old enough to make the decisions, 100% responsibility for their behaviors and start changing the patterns, rewiring the brains, because they are still young. And uh, as you, of course, know, as an educated woman and knowing so much about so many on so many subjects. <laughs> You're very kind. It's it's. It's easier to rewire our brains and our patterns the younger. Yeah, you've yeah. got that neuroplasticity that you, yeah. you're able to exactly. to work with that. But there's yeah. going to be a willingness to work with that. And I think yes. there's going to be a willingness from the parents as well to, exactly. to I guess, lean towards that teen and say, mm. I want to be closer to you. I want to keep having this relationship, mm. not, okay, this yeah. is too difficult. I'm going to push you away. Yeah. Because presumably when that disconnect and that bond breaks, mm. the long-term relationship breaks down as well. Lucy Jones works with teens and their parents to help build that bond and is on hand to take your questions. I'm curious about the workshops, Lucy. Um, what what happens in one? We're going to be speaking to Anishka just after half past four today, who's made some really meaningful connections through other young people in the group. But can you kind of demystify a little bit and who you had in mind when you started this? What did I have in mind? Um, well, yeah, because... Uh I do know and I hear from other parents because I am a parent of a teenager myself. So I speak to alike parents and I know there's lots of teenagers out there who are struggling with especially social connections. Mm -hmm. That is a real big issue at the moment. Are we talking social connections in the real world? Because presumably the online world <laughs> is also pretty active socially. Don't start me on that. <laughs> okay, I don't want to get into that today because that's a whole another story another for another hour. yeah for another show but um you know to bring these teenagers back to reality and connect them so by creating group workshops not they can only come there and learn certain principles and know how to navigate through difficult teenage life but they can also connect with other teenagers and realize oh i'm actually not feeling like this these negative feelings and thoughts myself there is another teenager sitting on my right who is also feeling like this mm -hmm. and there's another teenager sitting on the left who is also feeling like this so it's a great way to get them together connect in the real environment and you know learn some tools how to navigate how to connect with parents of course we need to bring i like to bring parents into it um so yeah what are some of the most meaningful breakthroughs you've had since you started doing this lucy Um, well, Anishka, who we're going to have on, uh, I would say that would be that would be the one. She had some unfortunate story that she will tell you about. But she's Anishka is the typical example of uh, the great story for the coach to say, I did my job really well mm -hmm. because she just decided to take that 100% responsibility, take everything that I taught her and apply it to her life and you know, live by the rules and make her life, teenage life, better and happier. She also had a chance to connect with others who were in similar situation. Unfortunately, Ron, Ron, Romy was going to tell us something similar. And um, yeah, so... Must be very special for yeah, you to see these Yeah, that is really heart, heart, heartwarming to yeah. see and also girls creating friendships because uh, some of them wouldn't come out of their rooms. Their parents were calling me and they said, can you carry on this workshop? Because the workshops are usually for six weeks. And one of the moms called me and she said, can you carry on doing these workshops? Because you wouldn't believe for our girl, every Sunday was like amazing day. She would get up in the morning, have a shower and dress up. And she was looking forward to come to your coaching because 
not only to the coaching, but meeting with others. And she hasn't done that in two years. So they need it. Yeah. Um, to the text line, uh, Lucy changed with us this afternoon. And Dee's saying, um, thank you. Our son is 15 and we've always shared a beautiful close bond. But I found since he started this year of school, he's drifted from me. I feel like I'm losing my boy, like he'd rather go and play video games and sit with his mum like he used to. Any advice? Any advice? This is a difficult one as well. For this, this must be quite normal. Yeah, for fifteen-year-old boy, you know, this is pretty normal. It's a phase; they will pass it. Usually, two years. Give it two years, mum. You know, he's a teenager. He's got, like I said before, he's got lots of hormones, lots of testosterone. So it's difficult for him to understand. He doesn't want to be mummy's little boy anymore. All you can do is be there for him, not being judgmental, and offer some quality time if he dismiss it don't worry about it but at least you know you've tried Mm -hmm. and he cannot turn around at 18 years old and say you were never there for me just keep on trying and yeah like helen said this is pretty normal it's a face it will pass one of the most interesting analogies i've read about when it comes to parenting teens is that you go from being a manager to a coach as a, as, a, as a parent and I think it's just natural for a relationship to change with your child and this doesn't mean it's any better or worse but I think that your point there about him knowing that you are there because mm. he will come back to you A new study out of the States from the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has found that most adolescents experienced negative events during the COVID-19 pandemic and those experiences have been linked to a higher prevalence of poor mental health. Pandemic aside, being a teenager is tough at any in any country at any time, which is why Lucy Jones is on something of a mission to help parents connect with their teens and assist young people in finding social connections in purpose, confidence. Um, release those tensions, anxieties and the other pressures that are being thrown at them by a very busy, noisy life. She does it through one-on-one sessions and group workshops too. She's a certified coach with the Jack Canfield Training Academy and yes, crucially, a mum of a teenager as well. We're also joined by 16-year-old Nishka, who's on hand to explain a little bit about what happened in those sessions. Before we bring in Nishka to talk about her experiences, I want to go to the text line, Lucy. Um, Anonymous messages coming in, which is absolutely fine, saying, can you please share some ideas for dealing with a stressed out 14 year old who gets extreme exam stress and finds it hard to fall asleep? She's a lovely, active girl, but school pressures are getting too much. Thank you. OK, so um, I would suggest, are you supporting this teenager in any way? Uh, you must look at it right away. So... Um, If she's being distracted by telephone, her mobile phone, social media, please address that. You know, don't make her think like it's a punishment, but she needs to stay away from that and find the time to just be with herself and uh, just like sort out her head. If she's going to be scrolling through social media because she's trying to avoid this tension of studying, then that's what can happen. Also, what could really help is, you know, You need to communicate together, support her. So if she tells you, I've got this exam, I'm extremely stressed, what to do? Go out even for 10 minutes and walk and, you know, take a deep breath, walk about, have a little talk, go to the coffee shop, have a a coffee, have a cake together, come back, sit down and start studying. Relax, calm your breathing. You know, it's the most important thing to the breathing. I'm also yoga and meditation teacher and everybody will repeat that, but it's so important and so easy. Take a deep inhale on four, hold it for two and exhale for four. Do that for four minutes and you will see how your body will calm down. Social media, mobile phone, out of her room at least two hours before she goes to sleep. Um, I'm not so much into taking melatonin, but maybe buy some lavender spray, put it on her pillows, uh, help her to unwind, relax, some minty, herbal tea before she goes to sleep. Um, Some uh, meditations, I often recommend the app app called Calm. Mm Lovely. Because that's amazing. There's lots of lovely stories there for kids, teenagers to listen to before they go to sleep and it calms them down. She's probably getting stressed because she's being distracted by something. So try and figure out what it is and then see how you can support her. Thank you for that and all the very best. I think, as you say, good sleep hygiene, get the electronics out and get to the root. Maybe, as you say, some really good coping mechanisms for stress, but understanding what is stressing her about. She's not using her time properly for studying. Is there a certain subject or a teacher even 
that is stressing her out. All the very best, but I can I can tell you what, certainly not alone in that. Um, Lucy Jones is with us today. Um, a number of you asking for her details and um, upcoming course and workshop details. We'll be sharing that in just a few minutes. First, though, I want to speak to Anisha, who's joining us live in the studio. Thank you for being with us today. How are you? I'm good, Helen. Thank you for asking. You've been on Lucy's group workshop for a number of weeks now. Before we talk about what's been happening with that and some of the relationships and breakthroughs you've had, I'd love to understand a little bit about what took you there in the first place. Can you tell us what you've been going through the last couple of years? Yes. About two years ago, my father passed away. So um, that was a little bit hard for me to cope with. Mm -hmm. And uh, then... Lucy asked me to join her seminar, which was an amazing way, which really helped me to cope with this grief that I had. I think that's... Oh, thank you for sharing that and thank you for, for being brave enough to... I think anyone who's been through grief will understand exactly where you've been and the fact that you've got a great support network at home is so, so important. But finding support outside of the family must be crucial as well to find people who've been through it, even your own age. And I know you've met a couple of girls who have had a similar experience. What was it like having that connection and that realisation of God, you've been here too? Yes, it's really amazing knowing that there's other people who have the same feelings as you, knowing that you're not alone in this. It's also very nice to talk about it because they're also feeling like sad or um, angry even. And yeah, you just help each other out. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about some of the sessions because it seems to cover all sorts of aspects of teenage life. What are some of the, the lessons or the big takeaways that you've really enjoyed and you think it might change the way you feel about yourself or even about the world? Yes, I loved uh, socializing with other people and also uh, learning that, you know, to take responsibility for my actions and really realize what I am doing myself Mm -hmm. and how I can change that to affect my whatever happens next in my life. I think that's so, so powerful because grief can take us to some really, really dark places. One of those places is complete inaction. It can be paralysis and it can be isolation And don't get me wrong, being alone and having a good cry is very, very useful sometimes too. But for you to reach out and connect with other people that can keep that momentum going, keep you socialising and communicating, I'm so pleased that you found that. Lucy, you're looking very proud over there. Yeah, it's very heartwarming. This is why you do it, right? Yes. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about... um, I don't know how to put this, but LJ's word is discipline. Um, um, because how we how we talk about consequences, punishment, discipline changes all the way through the age of a, of a child. And mm. teenagers, as we alluded to earlier, um, bigger, physically stronger, more opinionated, more independent. Mm. Um, LJ saying, advice on appropriate discipline, please. Our 14-year-old daughter has been cautioned about vaping at school and my wife and I are on very different pages about how to manage this. This is rife. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like you're not relishing this this question. No, I'm uh, I'm hearing lots of these questions lately. So mum and dad, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. This is happening all over the, Dubai in the group of 14, 15, 16. Again, I think it's a stage. They grow past it. They grow out of it. They're just discovering what they can do. They're pushing the boundaries, you know. And sometimes it helps to think you know, what was I doing when I was 15? Don't look at me and ask that question. I was doing a lot worse than vaping. <laughs> well, there we go. You know, but just because somebody, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't really want to say this. Uh, look, what I will say is laugh and the feelings. Don't dismiss your teenager's feelings, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rather than dismissing the feelings. This is if you're not communicating properly and correctly with your teenagers, you might not know how to do this. Then please give me a call. Of course, I will tell you how to do this happily. Uh, but um, it's a simple things and which can affect the teenagers for many, many years and bring lots of wounds and scars. So um, if I give you an example, you know, if your if your daughter comes from homeschool and she says, I've been ghosted by my girlfriend group and you say to her, you see, I told you they were not good for you and I'm actually glad that it's happened and now you can stay away from them. 
this is not showing love and this is not sh- helping her. You are dismissing her yeah, feelings no compassion, rather yeah. than supporting her and showing her compassion like Helen says. So you got to be careful about how you communicate because then all these boundaries being pushed and whatever they're trying, that's where it comes to, you know, but I can't advise you what routes to take at home between you and your wife. I think that's very sensible advice indeed. For anyone that does want to get in touch with you, whether it is one-on-one um, workshops with you and a teen or indeed parents and a teen and yourself, or as a, we're just hearing from Nishka there about some of the, the group classes um, that you're running, what's the best way of getting in touch and do you have any dates that are coming up? Okay, so um, dates coming up, uh, we will do private screening of Selena Gomez documentary, uh, which basically reflects on her journey. She's struggling, been very, very brave recently talking about struggling her with issues. depression mm-hmm. and um, bulimia and lots of other things. And I think it's great for teenagers to see such a things for you know famous people opening up about their struggles. So mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna talk about our feelings. How does it make you feel? How how is it? You know, do you have similar feelings? So that will be one sort of private screening workshop coming up on 1st of December and then we will have lots of workshops coming up in January. We've got our work cut out. Uh, I might be bringing other coaches with me who already asked me to come and join me because we obviously set up a good platform here. And there's a demand for it. So Instagram, the best way to get in touch? Instagram is the best way to get in touch at Teenage Coach. That's it. You will find a link for a little mini website on there as well. Everything is there. The best way to get in touch, DM Instagram, WhatsApp me on my number that is also there. There you go. Available. Thank you, Lucy Anishka. Thank you so, so much for being with us. Really important to discuss this aspect of parenting. We hear an awful lot about the newborns and the toddlers, but as they always say, bigger kids, bigger problems, but it doesn't have to be that way if that relationship stays strong. Um, if you do want Lucy's details, by all means, drop me a little line on 4001. I'd be very happy to send you the link. On the show today, we've been talking about building a business as a mum, as a woman. Um, we love hearing your stories. Um, we are hearing from someone quite a lot younger than that now, because our next guest, at just 14, Sri Chavez, has founded an athleisure brand with the support of her very entrepreneurial family. What started with a single thought of wanting to help underprivileged children has now turned into a sustainable e-commerce venture called F5. Sarisha joining us live on the line now. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you, Helen? I'm really well, thank you. I have to say, the products are absolutely incredible. So I just want to say a big congratulations so on that. But let's let's start at the beginning because I'm mm-hmm. I always feel a bit split about you know are entrepreneurs created or are they born? And I feel like you're a really interesting example of that because as I said, your parents are entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were seeing growing up and where that entrepreneurial spirit kind of played into your upbringing? So. Honestly, growing up, I was taken to every meeting on a weekend that my dad had. And I was told, just sit in the boardroom and listen and take notes. And I was not allowed to talk, not allowed to do anything, just sat there for a good three hours. I think that was the start of it. And then he started taking me to sales where I worked as a cashier. And things like that, that really helped me understand that this is what I want to do in the future. And this is the type this is the type of career I want to launch for myself. I think it does take a certain type of parent to first of all be like this, I want to involve you in this. You know, I want you to see what I Mm -hmm. do. But it also takes a certain type of young person to not rebel against that and be like, do you know what, Dad, this is a miserable way of spending my weekend, but really seeing the value and the opportunity that was in front of you. Because, you know, I, I grew up with parents who had very kind of stable, you know, nine to five, you know, salaried jobs. So the idea of being an entrepreneur is, is still quite foreign to me. I think that's an incredibly brave path to tread, but you've obviously seen it pay off in, in spades with your mum and dad. And now you're applying it to your own life. So let's talk about F5. You're, um, you started it when you were 14, now 17. But tell us a little bit yeah. about the name and the brand. What were you looking to address with this project? So I actually started F5 as my personal project for the IB. Um, and that was three years ago now and I started designing it when I was 14 and actually launched it when I was 15. Wow. I had first started with just doing one line called Tease for Fees 
where 100% of the profits goes for children's education. And that was my biggest thing. I wanted to support a cause that I really had interest in. And I've seen that from my mother as well, where she's all for children's education and women empowerment and all of that. Tell us, and so I mean, you, you, you raised some significant money as well. Yeah, so not, not just how much? Go on, don't be shy. <laughs> I've raised over 30,000 dirhams for children's education uh, in with Red Crescent. Wow. So we have done that as well as our brand is SEDEX and GOT certified, which means that we're 100% sustainable as well as that we don't use child labor and all of those malpractices. We love celebrating small businesses and entrepreneurs on the show and this guest is no exception apart from one crucial difference. She's just 17 years old. At just age 14, Sarisha Verd started an athleisure brand with support of her entrepreneurial family. It started as a school project and a single thought of wanting to help underprivileged children has now turned into her own sustainable e-commerce venture called F5. Let's talk about the, the products, Sarisha. Tell us a little bit about the research that was going on behind the scenes sure. because I said sustainability it means lots of different things to different people. What does it mean to you and how does that translate to your offering with F5? I think sustainability is not just about the material you sell, but mm. also it goes on, it uh, ties hand in hand with ethical and your ethics. So when it goes into manufacturing, we also wanted to make sure that we were using the least carbon emission and we were, um, sorry, we were wasting the least water. So that was one of our, I'm sorry, I'm getting a... Sorry. Uh, (laughs) That was one of our key aspects and that was what was driving us to make sure that sustainability and all of our ethics aligned. Mm -hmm. And... And and, and they also look great. <laughs> um, so, yes, there is a fabric element you're talking now about, you know, using minimal water, but also safety standards, environment, the business ethics. And this is something that I feel like all companies have a choice to turn towards and engage in and not all do. And it feels like you're very much kind of of the time and reflective of the mindset of, of your generation. For any other young budding entrepreneurs who might be listening, any teens who might dream of starting their own company, what have you learned along the way or what have you gleaned from your parents that perhaps would be useful if someone is looking to start their own? I think start now. Don't waste time. Like time is very, very crucial. So that's one of the biggest things I think I would have said. If I could have started earlier, I would have. You would have been you would have been nine years old if you'd started earlier, Sarita. <laughs> Give yourself think, a break. I, I think it's something you have to enjoy doing more than mm-hmm. doing it for the outcome of it. Mm-hmm. If you don't enjoy what you do, then there's no point doing it. I used to go to the office just at the beginning of this year. When school started, I would go every single day after school and then I had exams and so then I couldn't, but... I had that drive to make sure that I wanted this business to last and I wanted it to do well. Can I ask you then, who do you admire apart from your parents in business? Who is your, I guess, entrepreneur role model? And it can be fashion and retail related or something completely different. I'm um, actually, that would be a difficult question because every time anyone's asked me that, it's always been my mother. Oh. I've always spoken about how she's been the person that I've looked up to and doing all of this. Honestly, as a working mum, that means an awful lot to me. It really, really does. And can I ask you what's next? What, what's the big dream, the big plan for F5? So we have a few things coming up this year. And I'm honestly, I've never been more excited for my brand. We just finished a pop-up in London during the summer. Wow. And that really helped me see where I wanted, what, what changes my brand needed. Mm-hmm. And that was my biggest thing. And now, hopefully soon, we'll be launching our first flagship store. What? It's just a few weeks from now. Oh, my so gosh, that's, one that's thing. amazing. And then, you, you, and then a few, yeah, go ahead. What? No, just watch this space, really. I think that's absolutely amazing. For anyone in the meantime yeah. that wants to shop the range, find out more. I know you've got yoga happening this weekend at Dubai Hills where people yeah, can come along and interact and see the products. But if people are looking to make a purchase, support a young entrepreneur and, of course, have some money going to a very worthy cause as well, what's the best way of getting in touch? We have our website, f5global.com. I think that would be the best place to buy it from. 
Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. It's really, really encouraging to hear what's been happening behind the scenes at a really exciting brand. And uh, I can just tell by by your voice, it's going to be going, it's it's going places. Remember us when you you are global. (laughs) Really do appreciate it. So take care of yourself. And again, your parents have got an awful lot to be proud of. Sarisha joining us there from F5. As I said, uh, Instagram is F5 Global if you fancy having a look at that. If you have always dreamt of starting your own business but haven't known how, you haven't had the resources, the expertise, our next guests in the studio are here to hold a, a virtual hand for you. They've got a three-day event next week, something of a boot camp. And joining us live in the studio is Armin, the founder of It's Her Way, and Dana from Mompreneurs, taking place Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday next week, two days online. So you can log in to the talks, the speakers of your interest, and then culminating in an event and a bit of a celebration at the end of those three days. Armin, thank you so, so much for being with us today. For anyone who's not familiar with It's Her Way, can you explain a little bit about what you do? Sure. So It's Her Way is a five-year-old company. Uh, we started off right in the May of 2017. Um, five and a half years in, we have 2,200 female entrepreneurs. Wow. And uh, we have over 100,000 products and services showcased. So our platform is basically supporting every female entrepreneur who's aspiring to start her business in the UAE. You know, Helen, back in uh, 2017, it was way more difficult to start a business and Mm -hmm. extremely expensive as well, right? A lot more expensive. Exactly. But there are still some common pain points that a lot of people struggle with. And Donna, this is a lot of what you're going to be addressing over those three days. Can you give us a little outline of some of the topics or even the speakers that are going to be there across the platform? The business360.com is uh, looking at a at a business plan, because many, many entrepreneurs, many female entrepreneurs, when they start their business, they start with, uh, I'm going to have a business, I have the idea. Everyone says, yeah, that's great, do it. And then they do the license, and they spend lots of money on the license. And mm-hmm. then they say, they do social media, because everyone does it. And then they have a website, and then they say, I'm going to sell. And what they realize in time, soon enough, that they don't know how to get clients. So it becomes this huge rush of excitement and activity, but... The missing piece there presumably is, well, one, research. Is that is that a valid business idea? Is there a need just because you like a product? Yeah. But also, is there actually the skills, the expertise in terms of connecting with that customer and, and converting your passion and maybe even social media followers into yeah. sales? So you've got a number of speakers over the course of those two days. And we're going to be talking about, I guess, where a lot of people do get it wrong. I mean, what else has come to mind in your years of working with and guiding female entrepreneurs where they've come to you perhaps in crisis? One of the one of the things that I have seen time and again, and I feel really, really sorry about it as well, is that they have the product. They have the price. Some of them have the pricing, right? Um, but they don't know how to marry the other elements, you know, the packaging, the proposition, even where they're going to store it and many other things. That's one part of the thing. That's one part of selling it. But more importantly, they don't have a roadmap. They have a fund, you know, they have a fund, they have a kitty, but they don't know how long that's going to last. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest challenge because if you don't have a runway and if you've not planned your runway, you're going to short, you're, you're going to fall short, mm-hmm. very, mm-hmm. very short. Can I ask then, Donna, in terms of people that you're working with, with mumpreneurs, and I know you've got lots of success stories as part of that community. Are there any trends in terms of businesses or types of um, companies that have done really, really well? Just to give people some ideas. The companies that have done really, really, really well. Um, let me see. So I know uh, one who, uh, I think they were your guests as well. Uh, shall I, can I say their name? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's, Give them a shout uh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Diane from Enyo. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, when Mapranor started, uh, they were at the beginning and they joined the networking events and they did done lots of things with us and now they are going into schools so it's it's the purpose of that they are very passionate about uh using free chemical uh, products and uh yeah they, they do anything about it to to spread the word and i use the product i do too I yep. used it just uh, yesterday. Uh, um, no, I do, honestly. It's, fun- yeah. it's fantastic. And I think that's a really interesting example of someone who has the real passion and is tapping into something that other people care deeply about and also being quite 
you know, one of the few, if not only, in the region to do it. You mentioned networking there. Um, this is a word that strikes fear into many a heart. I mean, I'm just wondering if you've got any advice because you've got to put, you've got to put yourself out there. Absolutely. This is not the time to be shy or no. modest. Can you give any kind of non cringy networking tips that you've picked up over the years, or things that you recognise or, or really admire in other people? Oh, sure. So that's one of the things that you need to do. You need to call call out the positives, you know, in the opposite person when you're talking to them in a forum or just over a coffee, because that brings that elevates their own um, you know, sense of self. And then they connect at a higher level as well. So the first step of networking is um, be not so confident about yourself. It doesn't it'll come over over the years or over the experience. But Try to compliment the other person so that it eases things out. And then the sort of an icebreaker. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can really, really do is just, you know, just keep a smile on your face and just don't worry about, you know, making the first high or saying the first uh, few words. I think we also think about networking as being this we are in a ballroom of a hotel. Everyone yeah. has their business card in their pocket. Every, you know, yeah. everyone is more confident than me. And networking actually does take many forms. Sometimes yeah. it's through social media and, and sliding to someone's DMs and saying hi. Or sometimes it's going over to someone in, in a cafe and say, I see you've got this product. What do you think of it? This is what, you know. It's like yeah. It doesn't have to be this kind of very formulaic yeah. you know, networking. And there's a very stark difference between how men network and females network. Um, women are um, more emotional beings as mothers and, you know, just us, just being us, we want to be acknowledged by one another. And eye contact is one of the most important things. A smile with eye contact really goes a long way. I've seen that. Just like what you and me are doing right now. (laughs) See, nailing it. To be honest with you, I actually find networking quite uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) But... I think it is, it's, it's something you need to kind of push past, I think. And Dana, you mentioned there about having not only confidence in yourself, but certainly confidence in your product and your service. And coming back to the event, as I said, it's taking place. You've got your boot camp over the next three days and a number of people asking for details of that. So if you are uh, looking for that, by all means, drop me a line. I can send you the link. When, you've got, when you're thinking about putting together these speakers, putting together these topics, who did you have in mind thinking, these are the people that need this, who are really going to benefit from this expertise? Who are the people? Uh, women, uh, mothers who start their business or or they already have a business and they don't have a plan. You know, the mm-hmm. word is, if you, someone said it, someone <laughs> wise, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Mm-hmm. So this is what we are doing. And we are doing, you asked me earlier, what's the topics? It's we're going to start with the clients because if there is no client, there is no business. And then we're going to talk to about the value, what offering to the, what are you offering to the client? And then we're going to go one by one. What is it? This like a piece of puzzles. We're going to get them together and we have speakers. We're going to, uh, experts in the field. There I'm are one, nine she's topics. One. <laughs> yeah, nine. there are yeah. nine topics, and they are mainly yeah. covered under the the format of a business canvas. So imagining it in nine blocks: cost and revenue structure, key activities, key partnerships, uh, channels, key customer segments, and so on and so forth. So each of this has a pivotal role to play. Another thing, Helen, it's not only for people who are thinking about starting a business, but someone who wants to plan better for 2023. Mm -hmm. Right now is the time. Mm -hmm. Right now is the time. You might have just evaluated and closed your books or thinking of closing your books in the next few weeks. This this bit, this summit and this boot camp is going to help you plan better for next year. We've seen record numbers of business licenses being issued over the last couple of years. And I think, you know, the, the pandemic has in some ways forced people's hands and said, you know what, you've lost an income in the family now or you need to earn more. And now is the time to perhaps mobilise on that idea you've had for years and wanted to. But yeah. let's be honest from the outset, there are some big questions you should ask yourself before starting a business in yes. terms of the commitment you can give to it, the money you have behind it. What other questions do you feel that can be really valuable to evaluate if this is a path that's for you? I think everybody has to evaluate if you're going to be okay if things don't work out in the next you know, a couple of months, 18 months, what are you going to do then? One of the biggest elements is the willingness to pivot. And I keep telling that to my entrepreneurs every time that if you hit a roadblock, just like COVID happened to all of us, right? Uh, if you do hit a roadblock, how are you going to pivot? Mm-hmm. What are you going to evolve into? There is, there are opportunities, but if you block yourself too much, you're not going to be able to evolve. 
I think the most important thing of, of this is seeing the people that have done it and are doing it because I'm a firm believer that you know if you can't be it, you can't see it. And the yeah. fact that you're bringing together who, people who are so willing to share their expertise, their failures, their successes is really, really valuable. Donna, last question. What's the best way of getting in touch if people want to get, sign up for tickets and, uh, and join you either virtually or in real life next week? Yeah, uh, social media. Uh, is uh, Instagram, uh, mompreneurs underscore UAE. They can send me a message and I'll share with them the link to register. And yeah, find same for us. It's her way underscore ME or just hit up itsherway.com and you'll find all the information up front and center. Donna, Emma, Armin, thank you so much. All the very best with the last push of organization. It sounds like it's going to be such a valuable event to so many people. And um, if you get any other big success stories, send them my way. Would love to hear. And if you do want that link, send me a little message on 4001. I'd be very happy to share that so you can indeed join next Tuesday. It is cliche for a reason, but raising a child really does take a village. And when you move away from your family and your home country and embark on a life abroad, you are often giving up a really important support system of family, long-term friends who are there to help with raising that child and sometimes practically, sometimes emotionally. And that does explain why around 95% of families here in the UAE employ a nanny. Not only do they support you in terms of taking care of that family and helping you run your home, but they soon become a really important part of it. So, of course, finding a good fit is crucial. But yet very little is discussed in media about what I think is a very unique relationship and one of the most important ones, I think, in many parents' lives. We'd love to hear about the relationship that you have with your right-hand woman, and I hope you have found her. The benefits, the drawbacks, the magic moments, the heartbreaking ones as well. We're talking about co-parenting with nannies. Joining us now is Mesa, mum to four children aged between nearly 18 and five. She's got a Bachelor of Education, uh, worked as a primary school teacher, and then after having her second child, despite... I'm sure many of you will resonate with this, despite all the books about maternal instincts and how we're supposed to feel and what we're supposed to do. She realised that parenting didn't come that naturally. She was ticking off all the expected things, but still felt, in her words, defeated at the end of the day. She's now a conscious parent coach who counts the famed Dr. Shivali as a mentor and a cognitive behavioural therapist. So she's on hand to help this afternoon and hear your thoughts and any concerns you might have about this, this dynamic, this relationship, the good, the bad. And uh, sometimes, sometimes very difficult indeed. Thank you for being with us today, Mesa. How are you? Hi, Helen. Thank you for having me. I'm well. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. I find this to be a really emotional topic mm. um, because I think it's a very, it can be a really touchy one for parents. Mm. Now, I, I, I've always been very, very open about um, our kind of family setup, our nanny Loretta, and our motto in our family is life is better with Loretta. and. <laughs> I've been told on multiple times that I am far more dispensable than Loretta is when it comes to the running of our home. Thank you. And I totally agree. And she joined us when I was pregnant with my eldest. So Loretta's been with us for nine years now. Um, And I say this because I am so lucky. Mm. I am so, so blessed to have her in our home and in my children's lives. Mm. And I know how lucky I am because I think an awful lot of people have an awful lot of struggles. Before we get to nanny talk, because I've got a number of messages and questions for you, I wanted to hear about what you call your aha moment as a parent. Mesa, tell us more. Yeah, so um, it goes back about nine years ago now where I went to my son's swimming carnival at his school here in Dubai and I was sitting there watching him, you know, in the bleachers and he's like, look at me, mum, I'm about to swim. And I said, I'm looking. And he's like, no, look. And I said, I'm looking. Like, go for it. You've got this. And I thought I was being really fantastic. I'm looking. And he said, you just don't, you just don't look. When you're watching me, you're not looking. And it was just a really big aha moment that, wow, even though I was present, mm-hmm. he could feel I was not conscious, mm-hmm. not consciously present. And children are really good detectors of lies. Like, have you ever met a toddler plus? Like 10 years plus, they will tell you if something tastes bad, looks bad, all those stories. And, of course, back then I was very egotistic and I said, well, at least I'm here and just be grateful that I'm watching. Do you know how many other things I could be doing right now? And I ended up having a full-blown power struggle with a nine-year-old. 
And I stormed out of that carnival thinking to myself, oh, children these days are so ungrateful. I was looking. What did he want? My eyeballs? And as I, you know, walk through the corridor to go to my car, I see a flyer to the right-hand side that says, are you always screaming? Are you a parent? <laughs> like I'm always seen right now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Now, this is way before, you know, social media was really, really big. Pulled off the little ticket, called the number, and the rest is history. Just got right into conscious parenting and um, signed up with Dr. Shafali straight away. Just teach me everything. She's incredible. She, she was really there is. as part of the Parenthood End Conference last mm. week. I know you were there as well. And when we think about the family dynamic here, that means so many different things to different people coming from different cultures, having you know interfaith relationships, different, many languages under one roof as well. But that that statistic around ninety five percent of families in the UAE employ a nanny. That is a very you know kind of common experience. Mm. Might not be the same experience, but there's a common thread. Mm. What are some of the challenges that you hear from families that you work with when it comes to having help in the home? Yeah, I mean. It's a, you know, every city has got a different dynamic and in the GCC, it is an affordable, safe kind of option for a lot of parents. The, the, the tricky part comes in when you want to decide how to use your nanny, how to use the idea of having an extra hand in what aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Because I can't stress this enough. Even as good as your nanny is and you could be blessed and have the best one, there are things that children need only from parents. Such as what? Tell us. There are elements, there are key elements of the day that a child needs to bond with a, chi- with a parent. And I'm not talking about trips to Disneyland and lavish gifts. I'm talking about bedtime. I'm talking about meal times. I'm talking about checking in, putting the phone away. However, and if you're a first time listening to me, you might be thinking, oh, unicorn fairy, as if we can do that. But I am stressing that it's all about a balance. It's moderation. So yes, we have busy schedules. However, at what cost is your busy schedule going to come back at you later when your child is, say, a teenager or a young adult? You need to, you need to start to discover that these five to 10 minutes of quality time with your child is worth more than you can possibly think. Some kind of motto that always comes to me, and as you say, I'm a lot like a lot of very busy parents here, and I try my best to, to be there as much as possible. Mm. But the most important thing to me is about having that open communication. It's that it's that it's that phrase, you know, if you're not there to hear the little things when they're little, they won't tell you the big things when they're big. This afternoons with me, Helen Farmer, and joining me in the studio now is Conscious Parent Coach Mesa. She is a qualified teacher and now um, under the mentorship of Dr. Shivali, she's a cognitive behavioural therapist working with parents right here in the UAE to help them be the best parent they can be that they want to be across all different aspects and pain points and struggles, but also the good stuff too. We're talking <laughs> nannies today. 95% of UA families have a nanny or home help in some way, but it's actually a topic quite under-discussed, something, something, something we haven't touched on much on the show, much to my embarrassment really, because the relationship I have with Loretta, our nanny, is one of the most important in my life because I know how important she is in my children's lives, but it is, an, it is a complicated one. It's a very emotional one, and we've had a message here, Mesa, which I think will resonate with an awful lot of mm. parents, maybe specifically the mum, saying, any advice on dealing with jealousy? I'm going back to work next month and devastated that our nanny will be with our five-month-old every day instead of me. That's mm. from Jay. Now, Jay, I just want to share a personal point. Yeah, been there, mm. cried over it. I remember a, a couple of weeks after our oldest was born, we went out for dinner and my husband was like, isn't that amazing, got Loretta? It makes life so much easier and so much uncomplicated. And I was like, listen, don't get me wrong. That extra pair of hands is incredible, but it's not uncomplicated. It's, it's in some ways more mm. complicated. Is this something you've heard from other parents? Definitely. And, I, you know, I'm in the same boat as well. So, Jay, hi. Welcome to the parent support group. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of us, which, you know, I think I can, I can answer you on a few levels with this question. Firstly, two things can be true at the same time. You know, it is really hard to leave your precious child at home and you go to work. 
Second thing can be true is that you've done your homework and you're leaving them with somebody trustworthy and somebody you're comfortable with. So those two things can sit nicely side by side. And now it's up to you and how you manage your um, brain because our brain is so tricky. It loves to protect us at all times and not to get too scientific, but that's our brain's job. It's like protect, protect, protect. doesn't look for happiness. So it's your job to feed your brain the evidence you want it to give it. So brain says, oh, look at that. It's so heartbreaking leaving your baby. You have to now feed it through going, yeah, thanks for that brain. All good. Um, my nanny... Sorry, my nanny Sarah is great and I've given her X, Y, Z things to do. I've set up a communication with her. So now we go into logistics. Mm -hmm. So, Jay, what you can do is make sure that you and your nanny are on the same page, that she understands what you need um, and that you're quite reasonable with your expectations. So here's the thing with nannies. A lot of them you know, without any judgment, they are amazing humans to come across, you know, halfway around the world and look after people's children. But a lot of them don't come with professional childcare experience. Fair call, maybe not even an educational background. And here we are expecting them to be, I don't know, a teacher. And the answer to all of our problems. And the answer to all of our problems. I I was at a play centre the other day and I tried really hard not to look, but there was one incident and a nanny was on on the phone while looking at the child jumping on the trampoline. We were at a trampoline place. And the the nanny's, you know, boss or, you know, the the mum said to her, don't be on the phone. And I just thought to myself, hold on a minute. After watching a kid jump for 30 minutes, (laughs) like, guys, come on. How much can you watch a kid jump? Mm -hmm. At some point you're going to pick up your phone and just quickly answer a message or whatever. Have your expectations set. And then go back down to quality time. I call this the QT time in our household. This is where you designate 10 minutes. A child under 10 only needs 10 minutes of your dedicated time. In my household, it looks like this with my five-year-old. Hey, buddy, my phone's away. I'm not answering one email. I'm not folding any clothes. I'm all yours. What do you want to do? And of course, because my five-year-old is out there, he'll say, let's go play under the sprinklers. And I'll say, uh, not up for that today. (laughs) Do you want to do cars, magnets and guiding the way together? Little children love to be powerful and kind of boss the parents around. We want to give them age appropriateness to boss us around. Mm -hmm. So when you do that, you're filling your child's cup, you're filling your child's bucket in. And when your child's bucket is full, they no longer have the capacity in their brain to go, huh, mom leaves me all day with this lady. Because children work on two things, Helen, connection and feeling heard and seen. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the books of scientific kind of understanding about children is the word love because everybody sees and feels love differently. Connection is key. So, Jay, you've got this. Take these pieces of advice. Look at your schedule in front of you and I just know you're going to find the perfect balance. I think that is so, so key in terms of expectations of yourself and of, you know, the woman that you're having in your home. First of all, that trust. I've said from the beginning that, you know, I trust Loretta 100% -hmm. and that trust enables me to leave the home and work and do what I do. But also she's always understood from the baby when the babies are really, really little that when I come home, Mm. I'm on those kids. (laughs) <laughs> Great. And the best bit of advice I had was from a friend when I was pregnant saying, if you don't feel guilty about getting help, if you get help mm. that enables you to come in through the door and not have to mm. deal with dishes or laundry and it enables you to spend that time with your child instead of dealing with that house admin. Mm. And that's the best thing for you and your family. Let it go. You know, I, yeah, that's fantastic, Helen. Just to jump in really quickly, nannies should not be disciplining children. What I mean by that is, of course, safety comes first. So if the child is about to jump off a table, of course, nannies need to jump in and and grab them. But once we give nannies parenting duties, Mm -hmm. they are no longer a nanny, guys. They become a parent. And now you have three parents in the household or however, you know, whatever relationship you're in. And then you're all co-parenting. And so what happens to parents at the end of the day? They're tired. They're exhausted. Now you have a nanny that's tired and exhausted. Use your helper in your home for helping you relieve those tasks that are mundane, worldwide mundane issues. We all know what they are. It sounds first world, 
but it is what it is. We oh, live we're, in that. We're also in a first world. That's right. Um, and Jane, my final bit of advice, just speaking from experience, it took me an awful long time to realise that no nanny is ever going to replace me as a mum. Mm. She's their friend. Mm. She's there to help them. And that, you know, your little one is always going to love seeing your face come through that door and it's going to make everything worthwhile. Mason, we've run out of time. We have yeah. run out of questions, unfortunately. <laughs> We'd love to have you back. In the meantime, though, I think your Instagram is an incredible resource. Great humour, no-nonsense advice and some really easy takeaways from everything from, oh my goodness, tantrums yeah. to yeah. cope. I mean, it's, it's all there. What's the best way of getting in touch with you? And I know you've got an upcoming workshop as well. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I'm on Instagram with the handle Coach Mace EQ. I do have an upcoming program coming up. It's to help you become a confident and calm parent. Reach out. I'm happy to explain to you. Sign me up. <laughs> if you do want those details, by all means, drop me a line on 4001. I'd be very happy to share them. Thank you so much Thank again. You. Healthy Habits. On Afternoons with Helen Farmer. Talking health on the show this afternoon, and according to the World Health Organization, homeopathy is currently the second largest system of medicine in the world. We're joined now by one of the pioneers of it in India, Dr. Mukesh Batra. Happy to take my questions, but honestly, most importantly, yours. Doctor, how are you today? Wonderful, Helen. It's so lovely to hear you. You've got a great voice. Oh my goodness, this is going to be a joy. Thank you, sir, for joining us today. Now, for anyone who's not familiar um, or has never used a homeopath before, can you explain for us, in, I guess in quite simple terms, what it is and how it works? Well, very simply, homeopathy comes from two words, homeo meaning similar and pathy meaning the study of. So homeopathy really is a system of medicine that is based on the law of similars. To give an example, it's very, very simple and very, very similar to the vaccine therapy. So, you know, we all are now very, very familiar with the vaccination. Mm-hmm. So what happens in vaccination is you take a little bit of the virus and you put it in the body and the body creates antibodies against it and then builds a natural immunity. This is exactly what homeopathy does. So it's you using in, highly diluted substances. Am I... Am I ab- okay. Absolutely right, uh, Helen. And that's exactly what happens. So you use small quantities of, of, that, of that substance in a healthy person and then you could use the same substance in a sick person. So I'll give you a very, very, very kind of a crude example, a very simple example. Is supposing if you're cutting onions... When you cut onions, what happens is you get a running of the nose, your eyes start watering. And the same medicine, when it is used in homeopathy in, in minute doses, in the form of a medicine called Adam Sipa, which is prepared from onion, is a very, very good medicine for, for colds. So this is just a very, very kind of simplistic example. But I've, this is how it works. I've heard that there's an emotional element as well. Um, is that true that you know, a lot of the issues and illnesses we might have could be because of emotional blockages, I guess, for want of a better phrase, in our well, body. How do you address that then? Well, very, 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 very true and very correct, Helen. I mean, homeopathy is holistic medicine. And when we talk about holistic medicine, then we talk about mind and body together. And we actually understand and realize that even childhood suppressions can actually give rise to certain problems. I mean, I remember, for example, a, a patient of mine who uh, used to get severe asthmatic attack every time the father went abroad for, uh, for work. And so it was really a homeopathic medicine which kind of helped him to overcome this problem. And, you know, his asthma was finally cured uh, because of this emotional block that he had. So homeopathy actually takes into account the psychosomatic aspect of disorder, which is now being recognized by modern medicine as well. I mean, you know, for example, there are problems like irritable bowel syndromes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, you know, irritable bladder syndrome. Uh, you know, I always believe that, you know, before any interview or before an examination, the toilets are always full. It's always <laughs> difficult to find, uh, you know, because, you know, you, you get irritated and then you start passing urine very frequently. Uh, so this is really an emotional aspect, which actually then affects the nerves and then causes frequency of urination. And the same thing happens with the bowel movement as well. So a lot of, you know, they say that the stomach is the sounding board of human emotions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stomach problems that we get, whether it's constipation, whether it's diarrhea, whether it's uh, frequency of stools, a lot of it has to do with emotional discontent or suppression somewhere in the body. And homeopathy, because it's holistic medicine, actually deals with it right from the root. Um, I wanted to ask you um, something that I know you were in the UA recently, and I find it really fascinating to think about certain conditions or complaints being geographically, um, I guess, specific. And hair fall is one that an awful lot of people here in the UAE seem to complain of or be aware of. And I wondered if that was something that you've heard from clients and if there's something that you might be able to help with. For people that have tried all the, you know, changing the diet, changing the filter on the shower, is that something that you could address? Well, you know, there are lots of kind of crazy things that people do to save hair on the head. 
and uh, and you know changing showers and uh, you know changing water and uh, you know putting curd on the hair and also standing upside down to improve circulation are, 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 <laughs> I mean, you know really putting headstands are, are some of the kind of weird things that we see people doing but i think we should understand that hair loss is actually because of two or three basic reasons the first is really hereditary so particularly in males uh, if it runs in the family there's a chance that you start losing hair after a particular age so that's called male pattern baldness now it's genetic so there's very little that one can do but one can postpone it or one can you know uh, prolong it over a period of time but at some stage yes you will lose hair that's number one number two is that in women particularly there are three very uh, very very basic medical causes now what people don't understand is that hair fall is not an external condition it's just a manifestation of an internal condition mm-hmm. you have to understand that hair and skin are mirrors of the human body and when something is falling and not correct when your hair is falling there's something wrong with your system there's something that's not correct so three of the commonest reasons that we found with all our practice and we treat uh, almost 60000 hair patients every month you know hair loss patients every month all over the world we found that three of the commonest reasons the number one is anemic so women when they have their ferritin level which is low because they go on this crazy crash dieting mm-hmm. uh, you know they're trying something else just to lose weight Uh, which is very 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 strong very stark and they don't eat enough food uh, they have nutritional imbalances and because of that hair falls the second reason is thyroid and we find that thyroid is also now common in males as well and the third in women is also pcod mm-hmm. we find a lot of women who actually lose hair have irregular periods they have a little hair on their chin a little bit of acne and when you do a sonography you find that they actually have polycystic ovarian disorders and they have you know polycystic ovaries now this is really again an internal cause for an external hair loss so i think it needs to be really properly analyzed and one literally uh, needs to go to the root of the problem no pun intended there <laughs> that's what I have to say very good sir thank you so much for your time i could have spoken to you for much much longer and i think with some really interesting aspects to explore on another show if you if you'd be happy to come back and uh, have a chat dr patcho i really do appreciate your time and in the meantime if anyone wants to reach out to you or the team find out more about what you're doing what's the best way of getting in touch www.drdatas.com that's our website and we have one ue as well and uh, Uh, we are very happy to answer any questions anybody who has any problem well thank you for taking my questions today it's been an absolute pleasure uh, dr mukesh patra there and if you would like that website drop me a message 4001 this content is for informational purposes only and is not intended to substitute professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment <laughs> And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out, and you can listen to me live on Dubai I one o three point eight Monday to Friday between two and five pm. You've been listening to a Dubai I one o three point eight podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai I in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiI one o three eight dot com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.